This is Real World Product Management. Hello, everyone. This is yet another episode of the Real World Product Management. And I have two people on the line with me right now. Uh, I have Irina and Kim. Uh, can you ladies please introduce yourselves? Uh, Irina, uh, why don't you go first? Sure. Welcome back and happy to be with you once again. Uh, we're going to have quite an interesting topic today where I'm going to represent product management area mostly and passing the word to Kim, who will be talking from the BA side today. Hi, everyone. My name is Kima. I'm from Almaty and I've been in business analysis for the past eight years, quite a long time. And so, yeah, I'll be happy to talk about my experience in business analysis. Just for those for those folks who are not familiar with the former Soviet Union geography, can you please tell us where the Almaty is? <laughs> sure. Almaty is former capital of Kazakhstan. And for those of you who don't know Kazakhstan, it's between Russia and China. Those like it's a big country. Yeah. So this time Kimo is closer to me than to Vlad because I'm located in Minsk, Belarus. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. All right. So as We've just heard we are doing BA versus product management. And uh, first obvious question that I would like to put on the table is what are the differences between a BA and product management? And for the record, I did not have any BA background. I never played a role of BA ever. I was a software developer that I went through project management that was that felt very much like product management because of stuff I ended up doing and I became a product manager. So um, I know Irina has a lot of BA background. I know Kima has a lot of BA background. And now that we're all here, let's talk about the differences between what BA is doing versus what product manager is doing. Yeah, so um, maybe I can start with the definition of business analysis and I, I'm sure Irina will also uh, add something here. So business analyst in the like previous when I was starting was um, definition was like the bridge between the customer and the team. And if you look at the BA book, yeah, business analysis body of knowledge definition, the last version, uh, it's more defined like business analyst is a catalyst for change. Uh, it enables a change in the organization by defining the needs and bringing the value to the customer. So this is pretty much it. Basically, business analyst is the person who supports the change and the person who communicates both with the product development or project development team and the customer. And if we just go straight forward by Wikipedia and check product management definition over there, you would see that usually product managers are the ones who are responsible or at least orchestrating uh, product development as the process together with the business, business justification, planning, forecasting, any kind of verification, validation, end users, connections. Uh, sometimes it also involved pricing, financial aspects of product development part. And of course, product managers are the ones who are supporting and orchestrating product launch as well as any uh, type of marketing activities, supporting sales activities, um, and also sometimes uh, helping to establish support model for the product. So this is what you would see for product management. Uh, I would say that from their 
perspective of the past experience, product managers tend to be more on the business side and, and business analysts tend to be more between business and technology, uh, technology side. But I would say that BAs are usually much more technology, CV technology, um, they are people comparing to product managers. Funny you brought that up because on my my experience, and that's why I love having people with different uh, approaches and different um, mindsets. Uh, part of my experience was uh, introducing change to organizations. So I was, as a product manager, I was the agent of change, not, not BAs. BAs were more of a, tell us what to do and we'll figure out the requirements for it. And uh, a lot of things, a lot of times, as a product manager, I not I was technically savvy. I was sometimes even more technically savvy than BAs, and I was able to get into nitty gritty details of software systems by being more technically savvy and then explaining to them what the what the thing is. And the last part to again back to what you were saying. Again, as a product manager, I was the connection between the business and delivery. I, w- I was the exactly in the place where you're putting the uh, BA in 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 this in this uh, layout. So it, it's funny how they overlap, uh, how the positions overlap, uh, or how the roles overlap in different organizations. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think there's I think there's a conflict in there somewhere. <laughs> You know, I think it's, uh, as, as they say, it all depends. But once I've heard this interesting thought that product manager is more outward or externally bound looking, while business analyst is more inward looking. What it means? It means that product manager uh, is involved with marketing research, with, I don't know, users uh, analysis and so forth, like benchmarking. Uh, While business analyst might do this work, uh, business analyst is more concentrated on the internal processes within the organization. Uh, so it might be one of the differences, but I do agree there might be some overlap between the two. Yeah, and probably, you know, that's very true that it depends because uh, if we go to the market right now and take a look who is being called as a business analyst, you definitely would see that such role uh, and such title exists in, um, in many other areas outside of software development and the meaning for that would be different. So that probably, you know, the first reason, one of the reasons why conflict race. Um I actually quite aligned with uh, Kima mentioned about uh, being externally faced for product managers versus uh, being internally faced for business analysts. And Vlad, I, I think coming back to your example, probably you were just playing both of the roles. You just never knew that you were doing this, uh, which is actually happening quite a lot because many people who are looking for product managers today, they actually put quite a number of the responsibilities in the work. Uh, description, the position description, that actually uh, should be part of BA responsibilities. The reality is, though, that not every company has a business analyst uh, or business analyst available uh, or separate competencies, a separate department or whatever is needed. And still, someone has to work with the requirements. Someone has to be a bridge between delivery and business side. And if you don't have such people as business analysts, there is 
nothing else to do except of product manager to uh, to ask product manager to be such person. Um, so yeah, that's actually happening quite a lot, and I think more conflicts coming uh, into play right now with product owner role being added because now you can have a setup where you have product manager product owner, sometimes even proxy product owner and business <laughs> analyst. So that becomes even more tricky, I would say. Yeah, I, oh, yeah I think <laughs> that's going to be a lot of fun. And now, you know, I, I want us to think about this case when, okay, uh, I'll say something and I think that you'll disagree and we can start the discussion, right? Um, product manager is, again, more concentrated on the product like how this product is placed on the market, how this product brings a value and so forth, while product owner is again operates within the company. Product manager might not be necessarily thinking about the company itself while the focus is on the product, while product owner is uh, like, at least in my, you know, my perspective, from my perspective is a person who operates from the company interests. What do you think I, about that? I, yes, you were right. I would disagree. <laughs> I think uh, product manager is very concerned and is very uh, company focused uh, because the goal of each product, and I keep stressing this in pretty much any dialogue I have around product management competency or product, product mindset uh, overall, the idea is that product is not, does not exist in a vacuum. Product is not built just because we can't. Product is built to answer and resolve and solve for customers need so there's a customer problem customer issue and the product is being built as a response to that therefore oh, for sure yeah right and and there, therefore uh product product manager is very concerned uh, with the internal uh, view because that solves a customer problem for the company for this particular company he's working with mm-hmm. additionally there are there are aspects that are part of the responsibilities they're part of the scope of product manager, uh, for example, uh, connecting with delivery, connecting with uh, or standing up support model, uh, even legal, uh, then um, all these all these parts, all these um, items are internally facing. So yes, absolutely, as a product manager, I am responsible for taking the product to the market. But um, it's one of one of those one of those nightmares that keep haunting me. Uh, these imagine uh, I don't know seventeenth and eighteenth century army, and you have a general on a you know on a white horse uh, in front of the army, and he goes let's attack. He goes forward, but nobody follows. Uh-huh. And he's just all alone <laughs> in, yeah. in, in, front of, in front of the enemy army. And everybody's like, okay, the guy decided to take a walk. That's fine. So that's, that's kind of a, uh, this kind of a picture that uh, you, you paint for an un- unsuccessful product manager. So you need to make sure your team, the company behind you is following you. And that's why you still have to be company faced uh, as well. Okay. Yeah, just to just to add to what Vlad mentioned, actually, um, I saw several cases when compensation and bonuses and all of that for product managers is highly tied to the results of the products that they are leading. So mm-hmm. with that, you actually have to be company focused as well, and especially business. Uh, 
uh, and business goals focused and business focused person. You know, I think what you mentioned about being externally focused uh, versus internally focused, that's not exactly tied to the area of responsibilities or which goals you're trying to achieve, but rather mostly tied to the activities that are fulfilling your day. And in my mind, the main difference between all these various roles um, would be the percentage of the time that you're spending on one type of activities versus others. Uh, because I actually uh, did see quite a number of cases when product owners were part of the marketing activities or were part of the sales features. And the same is very true for business analysts, especially if you would like to grow this, uh, these people into the product managers later on. Um, I think that the question is how much time should you dedicate uh, to do the sales features or how much time business analysts should dedicate to uh, help marketing department with the materials development and so on. So again, to me, mm-hmm. the main difference would be not only the focus, but also percentage of the time that you are spending um, on each of these various areas and activities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, uh, like, um, I'm, I'm interested to hear Vlad's opinion on the product owner versus product manager role what is the difference then from your perspective oh, that's, that's that's one of my favorite topics <laughs> okay <laughs> let's do, let's start on this I mean, one <laughs> yes uh the there's um the, there's a canned definition i always provide uh, but it's mostly for people who are not involved in in product development and that is it sounds something like uh product owners are is a role within the agile team they sit in the team and they are team's uh, external interface the product owner is the uh the person or 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 um, a, con- a, con- a con- conductor uh, that connects the team to the outside world because one of the responsibilities of the product owner is to shield the the team from all the external things and make them focus on uh, actual development and and they are responsible for bringing in the new requirements or new wants and asks and then um making sure team understands them and provides things back to the outside world. Uh, whereas the product manager is someone on the more strategic level who sees a big picture, who sees the whole product or product portfolio, and effectively he tells product owners what needs to be done. And and, and the lingo here is pretty important. We're not, as a product manager, we're not telling them how to do things. We're not telling them what we want to do, we tell them what needs to be done. And then the rest is up to them how they want to figure it out. Yeah, so um, I kind of would like to mirror what Vlad was saying about product owner and product management. Um, And the reason for that is because with product management, usually that's supposed to be a career path. You all can become a senior product manager or directing product management. But for product owner, we don't have such thing as senior product owner. And that sounds obvious for most of us. And that's actually happening, especially because we treat um, product owner just as a role. So uh, yeah, you can be titled even as a software engineer or scrum master, whatever, and at the same time to be oriented, business-oriented person and um, drive the team in the role of product owner. So disregarding the fact that you actually can hire a product owner person for such title today, still, most of us would see that just as a role. Um, 
and partially that's coming from that reasoning that um, this came from Scrum, where product owner was just as a role that can be played by anybody, um, similar to Scrum Master. Right. So what I wanted to share here that uh, when we were trying to find this border between product manager and product owner, so you know what's this period of time? What's this um, flag or criteria that would let you know that you are not only product o- owner any longer, but you are now ready to become a product manager, right? So we were looking for these and realized that uh, one of such criteria uh, can be the time scale on which you're working um, and on which you're looking at uh, your product. So usually product owner is the one who really defines how you're doing, uh, how you're going to achieve a particular goal, as Vlad mentioned, but you're doing that on a shorter time scale. So usually you have like a release or a couple of releases in, in front of you with kind defined goals for those so you know what you're trying to achieve and most probably you're looking for the next three six probably nine months uh you know sometimes uh it can be up to 12 months but i would say it really really rarely happening and as a product owner you have those goals kind of given to you you don't have the exact path through this forest uh, um, how you're going to achieve those goals but you know what you need to do and you have uh, expected timeline for this and again this is something that's a little bit more tactical because these goals were set for you as a product manager you're actually the one who is working on more strategic level so you are trying to define those goals for the next 12 months and longer in the role of product manager. And with that, you have to do all these external feast activities that uh, we discussed before. And product owner is just the one who is helping you to achieve certain uh, goals that were set by you. So you are the owner of those goals that later are being communicated to product owners that later being achieved by the entire team. So this is how we would treat that. And this is how we would do this limitation or you know, separation between product owner and product manager. It's the scale as the time frame, and of course, um, percentage, as I said, time that you are spending dealing with marketing, sales, support, and so on. That makes sense. I just want to throw in a bit of a curveball here. And you will see this in the marketplace. People are hiring product owners. And by product owners, they mean portfolio, product portfolio managers, portfolio managers, or line, product line managers. So really high level senior position. And uh, they understand ownership in, in the direct, not, not a product owner, not as an agile role or not as a scrum role, but more of a real ownership. Like you, you will own this product line or this product portfolio, and you will make all the decisions and you will be responsible for financial results. Basically back, back to what Irina was saying, where uh, performance is tied into the product performance or portfolio performance. That's exactly what they meant. So, uh, and, and, and that's, that's kind of a thing that I keep seeing. I, I, I see this less now, now these days, but I've seen this pretty often. So I think it's so relevant. And uh, whenever you talk about product ownership, uh, you need to be very careful uh, because not every organization is 
uh, on the same maturity level. And some organizations are pretty new and they are adopting good things. Some organizations are, again, not very mature, pretty new to the whole product mindset, but they're not adopting the right methodologies or right approach. And they would call anybody who does anything with a product, oh, they're, oh they own this, so they're product owners, right? It, it, it throws more monkey wrenches into the whole understanding. But I think what Irina said makes sense in most of the cases, most of the scenarios. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. So now with that, Kimbat, I mm-hmm. guess, Kim, a question to you. Uh, from your experience, who do you think you, or actually, shouldn't should put it in in different way, who would you prefer to have on your team? Is it a product manager or product owner and why? Um, I would say that uh, in the ideal scenario, uh, based on the definition you provided, we would have both. Uh, because again, if it's an agile team, it's of course, uh, we uh, need to have product owner. And then a product mon- manager who is looking like at the, you know, as we said, uh, outbound. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that um, it's a kind of if if there is no if there is no choice if, and if I had to choose, uh, I think the product manager role is important because uh, in some cases business analysts can perform the role of the product owner. Um, but uh, given the choice, I would prefer to have both. Sounds great. Unfortunately, this is not what's happening in the real life because not every company has a budget for all these roles, and not every company has a clear understanding why do they need that many people. And you know what the mm-hmm. what all these people are going to be doing, uh, but yeah, I I would agree with you that it's great okay. when you have everyone and you have clear understanding of the responsibilities. Yeah, and and you know, um, uh, yeah. Sorry, it just uh, I have a question to you guys. So um, we have business analyst, uh, product owner, and uh, product manager, right? And uh, what do you think would be the career path for business analysts uh, to go further? So is it more like, again, I understand that there might be a choice and uh, business analysts might choose, but uh, where you, because you guys have this product manager perspective, right? And maybe you have this view where business analysts uh, can grow, where he would fit better. Is it product management or product ownership um you know i would say that it can be both and not only those you know of course saying that as a business analyst you can easily grow into product manager that would be a straightforward and easy answer here the mm-hmm. reality is though um i saw different cases happening in life and sometimes business analysts realizing that they would like to be more on the technology side and a little bit more process oriented. So they're not that business oriented, but rather process oriented. Again, they feel really comfortable in administrating the process, orchestrating all of that. And with that, they are sometimes switching to their role of delivery manager. That's, mm-hmm. I would say, like uh, probably not happening a lot, but uh, sometimes I saw that, especially if you would like to be, you know, this kind of the manager who is working working with the team and kind of managing the team, that's definitely the path that you can take um, as a business analyst. Another career path that's happening much more often is um, a step towards consultancy and being a business consultant. 
if you're a great business analyst, you most probably have um, enough of knowledge uh, in a particular domain, in a particular sphere. And if you're developing yourself uh, into the next step in career, whatever it is, it might not be decided at that point. But you already work, uh, you're already looking um, outside of only one company that you're working with. And with that, you're understanding what is happening on the market, what, what are the actual trends, what actually can happen with their with your competitors in the nearest future. So you're getting more and more insights from the uh, from the market side. And at a certain point of time, you can realize that this is information that you can sell together with your experience and mm-hmm. you're in path to the business consultancy. And product management, of course, this is a possibility to grow there. Um, I would say, you know, coming back to your question between the product ownership and product management, the re- the way how I usually position that is actually uh, stay as a business analyst in terms of the career path, but try to take on a role of product owner. And that's kind of coming back to our previous conversation that product ownership is mostly a role, not like a career path, right? So yeah. you can you can try that. You can be you you can uh, quite easily take yourself into the position of proxy product owner and then product owner. That is usually again fairly quickly and easily um, doable for any skilled business analyst. And then if you feel like this is the right path, if you feel like this is the job that you would like to do, you know, deal with all these priorities and business conflicts and deal with the business objectives and so on, then you're definitely moving to the next stage in your career, which is product management. So I would say product ownership is a great step between business analysis, uh, business analysis and product management. So this is how I would position that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Thank you. And the question to Vlad. Uh, it's a bit uh, maybe controversial question, but still. Do you think that a product manager can, uh, it's, it's the other way around, when product manager becomes a business analyst? I haven't seen that happening and I think I know why. Uh-huh. Uh, first, product managers unless this is not a career path unless this is a retirement path product managers uh, deal with a lot of a lot more than BA does at least from my perspective mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yet to see a single BA taking product to the market product managers do this all the time uh, I may have seen BAs helping with marketing legal uh, interfacing with delivery, but they're not the orchestrator. They're not the responsible, uh, the, the responsible party for all of these activities. And uh, I don't think unless unless there's a, there's a you know the person who spent 10, 15 years in product management role, and then they decided you know what uh, this is overwhelming. I want to focus on just one part of this, just figuring yeah. things out. I, I actually can see myself doing it Okay. in, in uh, five, 10 years. You know what? I, I really don't enjoy talking to legal anymore, uh, which is not true. I do. But, um, you know, 10, 15 years, you know what? It's the same thing all over. Uh, standing up support organizations, it's the same thing all over. Talking to marketing, it's the same thing all over. I, 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 I'm bored. Let me go and do something really exciting. And that is that exciting part is 
figuring things out as a business analyst uh, or producing, going down into nitty gritty details of uh, systems. And given the experience that I would have by then, given the expertise that we have by then, it probably would be a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting role and pretty interesting uh, position to be in. So okay. theoretically, you know, as 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 uh, we all know, theoretically, nothing has. Uh, uh, nothing has a zero probability. It's a small chance, and it probably will happen eventually to some of the people, but not as a general rule, not as a career development, uh, kind of like a change of a career or, you know, a path on the retirement. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to do things for fun. Yeah, sure. And Kima, kind of to mm-hmm. be on the same topic, you know, with yeah. all these new roles, product ownership being added and being all over the place, actually more and more companies are asking for a product owner to be a part of the team, rather for a business analyst to be a part of the team. Do you think that we'll ever get to the point when business analyst is not uh, needed any longer? So there is a product owner and product manager, and they split all of the activities that BAs are doing today between those two. So what do you think is the future for business analysts? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, here, I think um, there are several things. The first thing is that business analyst has this specific activity. And as Vlad say, this is quite, you know, I would say deep and focused on kind of analyzing the requirements uh, and, and understanding the business need, focusing on the business value. So this is quite, you know, focused activity. So uh, I think in this activity, at least from my perspective, it will never be extinct, you know. Uh, well, product management is indeed is, has wider uh, things, like wider scope of things, I believe that product manager will always need support of business analyst. Unless there is a kind of, I don't know, maybe it's a, some small product and uh, product manager can uh, perform both things like business analysis and product management. But uh, I do believe that product management, uh, business analysis, sorry, will always be needed. And uh, as you said, actually, I agree with you that, um, again, I I don't know, is it uh, the world changing or is just in my career, I'm changing my perspective. But what I see that when I was a middle business analyst or junior business analyst, I was more focused on the lower level of, uh, you know, requirements. So I was more into functional requirements, analyzing the details, being really the bridge with between the customer and the team and just, you know, um, kind of, uh, handing over the requirements. Uh, with uh, Right now, I do see the role changing, but I think it's more to do with my career path that I have more perspective. And now it's more focused on the business value, which we bring. So uh, right now, I think business analysis might be indeed uh, heading towards a bit consulting. When you can really see when you're, you know, when you're deep down into the domain and you understand the business processes within the company, within the like customer, and you can indeed consult uh, what would be the more efficient. Again, this is the second thing which would, I would say, prevent of business analysis to be uh, extinct. So uh, answering your question, no, I don't think that um, business analysis might be, uh, you know, just fully disappear as a role. I hope that it will not. You know, I, <laughs> I, I truly believe that there is enough of work for enough of work for all of these roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess now we're we are getting to the point uh, in the conversation where we can start talking a little bit about the remote work. You know, in our world today, 
when we have number of offshore teams and pretty every pretty everyone big company has um, an offshore team always it's a question of budgets but it also a question of feasibility which role would you uh, to have would would you prefer to have on site being together with the client together with the business side together with the entire company versus which role can stay offshore and be closer to the offshore delivery team so Kima, any perspective from your side on that uh, where do you think the separation should be and if it should be at all yeah, it's a very good question. And actually, for the past uh, four years, uh, I two of these years, I, I was working on site, on the customer site, on the customer premises, and two of the past years, I was working offshore. So I can compare here, I guess. Um, the thing with working on site, of course, is great that you always have the, uh, you know, um, access to the stakeholders. You can basically, if you build a good enough relationship. Access to the body, can, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can just walk into the room, say, hey, you know what? Could you please clarify? I just need your five minutes. And, you know, it's more opportunity, first of all, to build the relationship with the customer to make them trust. Because I think it's even from the psychological perspective, when you see a person every single day, you kind of uh, trust him more, I guess. Uh, and second of things, yeah, of course, you can, um, you know, um, yeah, you can always go into any of the doors and ask anything. Uh, with the, having said that, I think there is there are disadvantages. For example, being always on site um, gives you always this um, more of the business site. Uh, you know, you're always working on the business need, business requirement, business solution, like uh, you are taking one perspective. While uh, being offshore makes you more see the delivery team perspective, probably. I, I do know that um, it, there might be, of course, balance and you can find that. But working on site can be quite, um, I wouldn't say stressful, but, you know, it makes you put on, on the spots. You're always there. And, uh, well... Well, you, when you're offshore, okay, I'm going to talk about the second part here. Uh, when you're working remotely off-site, uh, sometimes if you're working in the different time zones, you have only certain hours overlapping, right? And w during those hours, you can work with a client. And when you they are not there, when the kind of stakeholders are, you know, they are uh, sleeping or something, they're in different time zone, you have your time to focus and concentrate. And I think it is very important for business analysts, not only to communicate with the stakeholders or with the team, it's very important for him to have his own time to do the analysis. That's why they're always called business analysis, you know, uh, to understand the business domain, the business processes, where the problem lies, what would be the best solution, understanding the business and so forth. So you do need that time. Uh, it all depends, of course, but um, all I'm saying that if you're working on site, you might not need enough, uh, you might not get enough of that time on your own while remote work can allow that. But I think there are a few important things working remotely, which are, might seem like little things, but they're critical, actually. Yeah. First thing is constant communication, because um, 
when you are working off site, you kind of, again, you might focus more on the delivery team, on working on your analysis thing and so forth, while you might get, uh, you might lose, uh, you know, focus on the customer. That's why I always make sure that we have enough communication points with the client, with the customer. Uh, um, sometimes, you know, your client might say, hey, you know what, I think it's too often, maybe we don't need to talk that often and so forth, but eventually, uh, in my experience, all clients did agree at the end that it was good. So communication never hurts. So uh, you need to actually put that communication points in your in your agenda, uh, in your calendar. And second thing is that please do put your camera on. It might seem like a little thing, but I think that uh, you know seeing the actual person instead of just static image uh, might change the attitude. And of course, there are more tips, but yeah, this is what I've found. Interesting. I I know I know things about camera, and um, I I'm not disagreeing. Uh, but uh, so from coming from, let's put it this way, from past experience, uh, having a video chat is not always the most ideal situation uh, because people tend to do things when they're especially when they're deep into thinking or. They're uh, kind of like go with the flow. They doing things that you may not want to see or, uh, you know, you as a person may be doing things that you don't want others to see. And it gets it gets distracting. Um, it gets very. It, it, so instead of thinking of what you're saying, I watch how you scratch your head every 15, 15.5 seconds. And that's. That's distracting because I'm not focusing on the conversation. I'm focusing on things I'm, I'm looking at um, through the camera. And uh, in my past experience, I actually found myself preferring not to watch the video. And if uh, I'm on the call where people uh, use video and I see live people, I try to tune that out or overlap it with, I don't know, OneNote where I take my notes. So I don't see their faces. Instead, I, uh, I'm focusing on what they're saying and focusing on taking notes of what's important for me. So yeah. that's interesting. I, 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 yeah, I get, yeah, it's interesting, Glad. And I think it depends on the which at which stage of the relationship you are with this client. Because I do agree that we know when you've seen this person for, I don't know, every single day for the past couple of years and probably you don't need to build this trust. And you can, of course, uh, switch off the video, although I do not do so even now. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're at some early stages, you might want to switch on the video because, you know, it makes you more human. As you said, there might be some things which are not ideal and so forth, but it, uh, yeah, it's, it makes you vulnerable. And at the same time, it makes other person trust you. At least, yeah, it's, it's my opinion. I actually would fully agree with Kim over here. I would say that it, it heavily depends whether you know how the particular person looks or not. And uh, from the past experience, um, you know, we have quite a big company over here and we are talking to many, many people. But then once we had like a conference or in-person event where you meet all of these people in person all of a sudden, the tone of your messages, even the tone of your emails, which might sound a little bit crazy, uh, but really the tone of your email messages changes once you know how this person looks and once you know how this person behaves just in, in real life. And even her scratching the face, it still ch changes uh, how you would talk to this person. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, he- I mean, it's possible. I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm offering a slightly different perspective on this, and um, I, I've, I, I do agree that it helps. I'm just thinking, you know, sometimes it can get distracting. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's probably a, a good topic for our next session. How would you make sure that there is enough of con- communication, but at the same time, not to be overburdened with the meetings in your calendar and have time to work, to do the actual work, right? And then how would you have that many meetings uh, during the day with video, but still have a break um, and still, ha- still have this feeling that you're not very tired of sitting straight forward in your chair all all the days or all the meetings that you have so probably that can be part of the next <laughs> conversation yeah i mean we definitely need to explore we definitely need to explore given the current situation we definitely need to explore yeah how people think uh, feel and how they manage this remote work uh with the cameras on and i i've seen a few stories uh, on, on, I don't want to go in deep into this, but I've seen a few stories about uh, remote work uh, being tracked. How you do the remote, the remote work? Yeah, and uh, not not all of them are pretty. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll definitely need to explore that. Okay, so so coming back to the initial topic, Vlad, what what's your perspective about the remote work? You know, Kima was saying that yeah, you know, you have advantages and disadvantages of being business analyst and being on-site versus offshore. What do you think about product manager? Is it possible at all to be a product manager and to be remote? It's a good question. <laughs> yes, I've and I've been doing this for the past two years, uh, full time, and I've been doing this previous five ish, seven ish years, part time, which is which means I have been a product manager with teams partially or completely remote, or I was working from home, or I was working from a remote location. Yeah, so technically, I was remote and the team was on on the premise. It's possible. Uh, ideally, yes, I want to see my clients, the people I work with, not 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 necessarily the team I'm working with, not necessarily delivery or legal or marketing, but I, in the ideal world, we're all in the same place. But you know, we're not in the ideal world ever. So it's possible. It's doable. It takes longer, from my experience, and it takes longer to make things happen. Because, first of all, because of the schedules, you only stick to the schedules. You can't have a conversation in the corridor. You can have a conversation in somebody else's office. Hey, are you available? I have a couple of questions for you. You can, however, have conversations over, I don't know, Slack, Teams, whatever you guys are using. And that helps. Again, the problem is it's not instantaneous. You have a crazy idea. You want to bounce it off by someone, but everybody's in the meeting. Uh, you ping a couple of people. They're not responding. So the, your interest kind of dies down. You switch over to other activities. And by the time they respond, uh, either you don't remember what you wanted to ask or you don't really care much about it anymore. And it's like, yeah, probably was not a good idea. Never mind. And um, you lose momentum. You lose traction. So... Some things are definitely getting lost in translation. Uh, there are certain personal, like just like Irina, just like you said, there are certain personal connection that you make with people, and there are certain uh, personal 
feeling that you get uh, once you've acquainted with the person in in real life that is that is missing if you're constantly remote at the same time uh, maybe because you're more formal uh, maybe because your communications are easier easily tracked as in you have emails you have uh, chat you have notes you have recordings of meetings so it's easier to go back to the conversation and see if you've missed anything a lot of times in uh, interpersonal like you pop in somebody's office you want to discuss something you get things done faster but it's harder to track them and in my previous life that happened to me a lot where i would occasionally pop into somebody else's office we discuss something we resolve things in 15 minutes instead of three hours of meetings and then i send out meeting notes if i'm if i remember to do that and if i don't no one's aware that this is what we've decided and i've seen i've seen actually companies actually uh struggling because of that they have conversations in place they have uh certain decisions made in place and then they forget or maybe not to uh, distribute those the results of those conversations so to me it's a blessing and a curse the blessing is that everything is easier tracked uh the curse is that you don't get that personal touch you may not even pick up certain language that is easier to understand for the other parties so uh, yeah, I, I think, again, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, from my perspective, I would say that the best case scenario would be form a team and have a product manager. So actually, you know, from the requests that we've been processing so far, in most of the cases, it's kind of requested that product manager would stay on site to together with the business and closer to the clients versus product owner and business analyst to be closer to the delivery team because this is the guys to whom they should interact on the basis and my personal um best scenario would be form a team where there's really close tight and personal connection between product owner and product manager and you can uh, jump with any idea in this communication between these two guys at any point of time so you're actually not losing this great idea that just came to your mind while you were i don't know in the shower for example um and at the same time, you have a product manager who can pop in into someone's uh, room and uh, into someone's office and just talk briefly about that really quickly and then feel all this tension and political scenes and, you know, all of these little emotional details which are going on site. And then as a product owner, you're kind of doing the same for the offshore team uh, and for uh, everyone who is actually staying offshore. And then you have this whole uh, chat between you two how we're doing on both of the sides but that requires really close and really trusted relationships between these two guys but to me this is a path to success when you have remote and uh, remote team and uh, on-site team yeah uh, now, now that you mentioned it I'm sorry I just have to bring this up um story about my past experience i had a distributed team where we had people uh, all over the united states literally any place in the united states we had a person we had seven or eight people team and we had a person in each and every part of the united states um and uh one of the people on my team was very um 
serious, very uptight, very professional. Um, I, I'm, I'm not even sure which other words to use to describe this person. Uh, very official. Uh, everything down to the point, nothing special, nothing, you know, nothing outside of work. And at some point, we, ha- we were having a scrum scrum related conversation or something and um one of us uh, not me some other team member used the phrase from a very popular science fiction show and every everybody related to that almost instantaneously everybody said oh yes i know what you mean and uh, it was very funny when that person very uptight person very serious very professional nothing outside of the boundaries of work uh, immediately became very relatable and oh yes since you you've seen this show i've seen this show we all we can connect on another level that in my head at least it broke some some of the walls around that person icebreaker right yeah 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 well the whole world breaker not even an icebreaker <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a great story. Okay, um, so I guess we're kind of slightly moving to to the end Towards of our the end, yeah yes. yeah to the end of our conversation today. So so Kimar, I guess Vlad and myself were most on the product management side today, and you know kind of uh, being sharing our experience from that uh, from that side, and you're the one who was sharing uh, your experience from the business analysis perspective. So are there any questions? that you would ever ask two product managers be in the role of business analyst? Yeah, I have a few actually, and two of them, I guess, relate to the product management and one is like general questions. So I will start with the product management questions. So um, why do you think is that, that it's been recently that the product management role is becoming popular? So as you guys said earlier, uh, if you like look at the market, probably more, more and more, there's a product management role which is needed. So why do you think it's becoming popular now? Um, I probably can't step in over here and then Vlad would add. Um, you know, my experience mostly coming from the enterprise world and why many enterprises are seeking for um, product managers today, it's not only because they would like to have such role, it's mostly happening because they would like to have more product-oriented mindset and product-oriented approach. And you now in my world, product-oriented approach means result-oriented approach. This is how I treat this personally. And these big enterprises, uh, they actually used to behave um, in certain way using certain frameworks and patterns. And uh, it was, it used to be more project oriented when you have a timeline, when you have a budget that's being allocated to a particular department. And um, this budget is allocated on a yearly basis. And whether you're underspend that or overspend that, you're in a bad situation. So you, you try to be exactly on the number so you're mostly worried about these budgets and your plans for the next year and yes of course you do care about the business side and business objectives but this is not exactly what's driving what you're doing within the department and these days, to be more competitive, to be more aligned with your customers, with your clients, with end users, you cannot behave um, as a 
used to be with this budget allocation, you know, and planning and really being project oriented. You need to switch to the product mindset where you're trying, where you're experimenting, where you're uh, generating and validating hypotheses, when you're trying to innovate um, and basically you're trying to change everything, if not on daily or weekly basis, then at least on monthly basis. And of course, that completely changes the framework and the way how you used to work. And when big organizations, big enterprises are looking at all of that, they're, oh, yeah, so this time, this this switch, that means like agile mindset, mindset and product mindset. And in order to implement and support that product mindset, you obviously need who? Product managers. <laughs> and yeah. here where demand is coming from, uh, from the market for such roles um, and also where demand is coming from um, for many other roles that are related to product uh, development and product implementation. So I would say product management is just the part that we see over here um, in terms of the growing demand, but really it's more requests for the transformation and it's more more and more requests for this product mindset to be um, implemented, to be adopted within a particular company. Mm-hmm. So basically, the world is becoming more and more dynamic, of course. There are more and more things are coming in. So basically, we need to change our mindset to be more flexible in a way, right? Absolutely. And and uh, probably the main point, to stay as close as we can be to the end users and to the clients and to listen to their feedback and work on that. Um, this is probably um, scene number one to be successful today. I, I agree with this. I agree with uh, pretty much everything Irina said. I'm not sure if I caught that that part. Um, the product mindset approach is generally considered cheaper. And that's why a lot of companies are looking at it and trying to implement it. Not cheaper as in McDonald's versus expensive restaurants, but cheaper in a way that you can get same amount of work for less or you can get more bang for your buck. So, and and that is actually true. It's not something um, that you know we pulled out of thin air. We're actually seeing these types of successes in our in, in with our clients and the organizations I've I've used uh, I've worked for before. There's a, there's a definitely a benefit of product management approach because of flexibility because of uh, the data-driven decisions or at least an attempt to make data-driven decisions uh, because of uh, the new mentality or or mindset, as we call it, how you approach solving the problem. You don't just, you know, rush into the project uh, with a fixed budget. You're, you're trying to spend money smarter because uh, there's a pretty understandable life cycle of a product. You stand it up a product when it's needed, how it's needed, and then you continue supporting it as needed. So it's all focused on business outcomes, not just, well, you know, we have $6 million, we need to spend it. Okay. okay. So there's there's that other aspect. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, thank you. Um, my, my next question is, what do you think are the three qualities for the good product manager? It's a good oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> I think there won't you be know, any simple action. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so, you know, I don't have a prepared answer over here. I would say that good product managers do need to work quite a lot on soft skills, um, like uh, communication skills, being flexible, be uh, to be able to serve uh, as a servant leadership, be able to find, um, to come to an agreement basically to with any person, with any department and so on. So it actually comes back to the communication skills. And partially, I know that it's not usually treated as a soft skill, but you definitely need to be a good presenter. So together with the great speech that you are conducting, you need to be able to uh, support that with nice images and presentations and decks, whatever is needed. while you're talking. So I would say, you know, there are a number of hard skills that you would need, but this is definitely important. And without that, you wouldn't be a successful product manager. Uh, Together with that, I would say my next point kind of connected. You need to be flexible. You really um, need to be able to listen to the people and understand their position, their opinion. And what's even more important, if you feel, uh, if you hear something reasonable and if you feel like this is the right thing, be able to change your opinion, your approach, your mindset, whatever, based on the feedback and the input that you heard. So really not to talk to only one right way, because usually when you're doing product development, there is no right way and you're just inventing everything. And together with inventing things, you need to be flexible. Um, so I would say that's, that's point number two. And uh, point num- number three, um, I would say that you still need to be educated in product management area and still have all of these um, knowledge experience um, in hard skills and understanding what what is required from your role. Because unfortunately, uh, from cases that we see over here, number of people are just being assigned with the role of product owner or being assigned to the position of product manager, but they really don't know that they, for example, supposed to work with marketing. So still being educated in the field, I would say that that's important as well. So this is this is my three things that I uh, just thought about right at this moment. Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, Vlad, anything? That's, that's, that's really cool because I have, um, I think we only overlap on one. <laughs> interesting okay and, and, and that's and that's good that's good because because um i i i don't disagree with irina's uh, perspective i may have i may be calling things similar things with different words so let's see how that's how this will go uh first and foremost i the, the one that overlaps with irina i just call it with a different word i call it a storytelling so uh, it's 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 being a great communicator same way that irina said it's being able to get your point across and uh, tell a good story, either that whether it's a story of a future product that you want to develop and you need to convince your stakeholders, or it's a story of your success, or it's a story of your failure. Uh, one of the most important parts of being a product manager is being a good storyteller, because people are not going to listen to you if you're just going to keep telling them about you know this new brand new JavaScript framework that is absolutely amazing, or this brand new AI algorithm that is just just going to solve the world hunger. Nobody's nobody's that patient. But if you're able to wrap it in a good story, that 
immediately brings people to attention and it immediately makes them interested in whatever it is you're trying to do. And I think one of the major things that product managers do is they, uh, they're champions of new products or they're champions of their existing products. And one of the goals is to increase adoption of your product. And that's, that's how you do it. You tell good stories. Now, the part where we start deviating a little bit, uh, the, next, uh, the next quality that I think is really important is a uh, product manager is humble. And uh, I, I, I keep regurgitating this thought that product management is a thankless job. If you did it, it's a, it's a team effort. If you didn't make it, then it's your personal fault. And that is where you know that product manager's humble comes in. Yes, it is a team effort. You didn't do it alone. And I've uh, out of all my career, I've never done anything alone. I always had help, but from delivery, from software developers, from business analysts, from subject matter experts, it's never it's never a solo game. It's always a team effort. So it, it it's still true. And and product manager needs to be humble in a way that they recognize and they they give credit and uh, they praise team members that help them achieve their goals. So in that sense, again, I think uh, one of the most important parts of being a product manager uh, is being humble, uh, because if if you take away people's credit, they're not going to help you next time around. And it, it is it's very real. If you're not uh, if you're not uh, saying, hey, uh, Kim and Irina help me record this podcast, Kim and Irina may never come back to me and, and may never participate in another uh, episode of this podcast. So uh, there's that. And the third thing. Uh, which where we uh, completely, probably 90% away from uh, the, m- naming the same thing, is product manager has to be curious. And uh, not educated, not, not necessarily educated, uh, but curious to learn more. And maybe it's uh, being the generalist, uh, what is, which is what I am in terms of product management uh, speaking, but uh, product manager always tries to learn new things. As an example, uh, again, I, I use personal examples because I can relate to them. It's easier. I, I've uh, studied 15 different things in the past week. Uh, they, they range from uh, ca- legal case management systems to uh, pharmaceutical systems to uh, logistic systems to oil and gas systems. Why? Because I think there these items, these uh knowledge points or the, this information is relevant to understanding the current problems uh, with the market and help me uh, do my job better, but also because I am by nature curious. I want to know more about things that define the current world. And uh, so when I come in and bring my expertise and experience to the company I work for or to a client of my company, uh, they understand that I'm actually bringing quality and uh, a lot of expertise to the table. So in that sense, my three items, uh, being good communicator and storyteller, uh, being humble and being curious. Yeah, yeah. Those are my three. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's interesting. And you know, while you guys were uh, telling this, I was drawing a parallel with a business analyst. And I think that, again, in terms of business analysis and product management, there might be differences. But of course, uh, there are similarities, and especially in the term, in terms of um, yeah, of the good BA qualities. I do believe that communication, of course, is crucial. Uh, presentation skills, storytelling. Yes, sometimes you do need to, you know to tell stories. Um, in terms of curiosity as well, I do think that being 
has to be curious and humble. I think that, yeah, Vlad, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think that BA is a serving role, right? Because you're serving the customer, you're serving the team. And this is, I think, where overlap happens. So I, I think in general, yeah, thank you guys for these examples. It's very interesting. And I think that it has a lot in common with uh, BA qualities. Okay, I do have the last question, but I'm not sure if we have time for that. Uh, let's let's do a lightning round. Let's do uh, let's try to answer it really fast. Okay, uh, Irina, at some point of our conversation, you mentioned that it's um, kind of the question is, when do you understand that it's enough of communication? Because for BA, the communication is important, and mm -hmm. sometimes you know you want to have you want to make sure that it's a lot of communication. But on the other hand, you do need time for your own things. So how do you understand that the the communication is sufficient? That it's enough. That's actually a good question that I didn't have a straight answer for. I feel like, um, I, I think that it should be driven by your feeling only. Um, and until you see that people are open to communicate with you more, and as long as you feel that you're aligned with your stakeholders, with business objectives, and you you don't have this feeling, oh, yeah, that conversation happened without me, so I'm lacking the information, um, that should be enough. Uh, but, you know, there's no silver bullet like two hours per day and you're good. I don't think that there's measure like that. Um, I would say that on the productivity side, you definitely need to measure the number of sessions and communications and meetings that you're participating in, because if it's eight hours a day every day, that's that that's really going to be too much, and most probably you're going to be really tired within really short periods of time. So. Um, Enough is enough as long as it does not stop you from doing your work and as long as you feel aligned with all the people whom you're talking to. Yeah, thank you. Vlad, anything to add here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to try uh, the the lightning way. So it's all in the schedule for me. And um, if if I need, know I need to get work done and I'm being overwhelmed by meetings, it's all about time management. So I'm going to try to schedule the work. I'm going to block my schedule to do the work. And this will naturally expand, it will naturally spread away, spread out the meetings. So I don't have eight meetings a day, which I had before in my previous life. And I didn't have any time to work. And that's how I learned the hard way to do this. So I, was just, I would just block out time on my calendar and make sure nobody puts meetings there. And if, if somebody tries to schedule over, I would decline and said, Hey, I, I can't, I'm working on something or I have another meeting, find another time. I, I'm not, I'm not a slave to your schedule. Uh, I am, I am a manager of my own schedule. So the time is not good for me. And that, that basically, right. You, you, you have to, you have to be able to say no in any position. It's not, you know, not just product management thing, which we should probably explore. One of the next episodes is, is the ability to say no, uh, but yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's the way I do it. Yeah. That would be a good one. You know, uh, some time ago, one of the managers, uh, gave me an advice. Don't let people book your schedule, book your schedule yourself with the people. Exactly. If you need them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think you need to be very, re re <laughs> at the very high position in order to be able that. And for product managers, unfortunately, it's not, it's not always working like that, especially not in my case, but probably you guys know better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Scheduling is very yeah, important. Definitely worth discussion. Definitely yeah. worth discussion because uh, 
Yeah, this it's a big topic. Time management as a as a and how to senior role versus middle middle level role. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you guys. Very interesting. All right. Course. I think I think we're out of time. Uh, thank you both. Uh, this I think this went extremely well, and this is really interesting. I hope we'll uh, reconnect and cover topics that we've missed. Yeah. Um, thank you, Kima. Thank you, Irina. It was a pleasure having you on this episode. Thank you guys yeah. for having me. The same here. Thank you for inviting me and hope to talk to you again. Yeah. Stay stay safe. Take care. (laughs) Work remotely. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you, guys. You've been listening to The Real World Product Management and I've been your host, Vlad Grubman. Until the next time.